Hello, and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to reintroduce to you now. Dr. Anthony Chafee is a returning guest on our show. Be sure to check out his first appearance on Boundless Body Radio on episode 261, which between the YouTube video and the podcast was instantly one of our most popular episodes. Dr. Chafee is an American medical doctor specializing in neurosurgery, who over the span of 20 years has researched the optimal nutritional habits for athletic performance and health. He is an all-American rugby player and a former professional athlete in England and America. Dr. Chafee has dedicated many years and a large part of his professional practice to the study and education of diet and nutrition, and personally practices a fully carnivorous diet to this day with amazing results. He began his university education studying molecular and cellular biology with a minor in chemistry at the University of Washington, Seattle at the age of 15, which culminated in attaining his MD from the Royal College of Surgeons. He currently resides in Perth, Australia, where he specializes in neurosurgery and does private consultations and clinics in functional medicine and nutrition. Dr. Anthony Chafee, what an honor it is to welcome you back to Balanced Body Radio. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Good to see you. Good to see you. Um, as we mentioned in the introduction, you are currently in Perth, Australia, which is pretty almost literally halfway across the world from where we are here yeah. in Salt Lake City. So it's always a pleasure to get to talk to you. I know sometimes it's um, a little bit difficult to coordinate schedules uh, with different time zones. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's literally the other side of the world. So it's, um, yeah, no, it's good that we, we can figure this out and, uh, and coordinate a time. Absolutely. So on that note, in Perth, Australia, right now, it's 8 p.m. Um, I'm assuming you had a pretty long day, yet you're still doing this. It's 6 a.m. here, so I had to wake up early and get my walk in before we had our um, interview this morning. And um, I just want to point that out because I think it's so important, the reason why you're doing this. You're literally not making any money doing this. I'm assuming that yeah. even with things like Patreon and the coaching you do, you don't get rich on this kind of thing. And when we set this up and coordinated this, one of the messages that you sent me, I'm going to read this literally. I just hope this information gets out to as many piece, people as possible so they can pick their own lives because it's really heartbreaking seeing how much damage is being done that is completely avoidable. That's pretty powerful, dude. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, yeah, well, that's, that's the whole reason I'm doing this. Like, man, I have a day job, you know, and it's like, and this is actually, you know, uh, takes a lot away from my, my duties and responsibilities on my day job and then my free time, of course. But I just, I just feel very strongly about it. You know, this is something that I've seen really help people really change people's lives. And, you know, when I, I, you know, I, I figured that I had something to say, uh, for the last sort of few years. And I just have been on a couple of people's podcasts, but I never really did my own stuff just because I didn't know how, and I was just a bit, you know, unsure about it. And so I just never pulled the trigger. Um, but you know, I, I you know, I've really wanted to, and because I wanted to sort of, I wanted to make some points that I didn't really hear everyone saying and, uh, and bring other people, other things to, to people's minds. And, you know, the response has been really amazing. You're hearing people, you know, tell me how, how much things have helped them and how they've really reversed their health and really changed things. Like that really means a lot to me. And it's, that's why I do this. Like, I don't, I'm not doing this for a job. Like that's, I, I have a job, you know, but, uh, it's, uh, it's something that I really, I really care about. And, uh, it's something that really, really pisses me off, honestly, that, that I and everyone else in the world has been completely snowed under for the last 40 years about, you know, what's optimal for your health and what you should eat and what you shouldn't eat. And it's made people very sick, very unhealthy and die young and die early and die unnecessarily. And that, that really bothers me. And so I'm just trying to undo that, that dogma and mindset 
that that we've been instilled with so that people can actually take back their health and actually live, you know, full lives and healthy lives. Yeah, that's such an important point. And again, I just wanted to bring that up to, to point out your passion for this topic. I mean, that passion even carries over to your podcast, which we didn't even mention in the introduction. The Plant Free MD podcast is one of my favorites. I never miss an episode. You recently posted your talk at KetoCon, which was amazing. You recently did an interview with one of our former guests, Dr. Uh, Thomas Seyfried, which was amazing. And just podcasting alone, I'm sure you've learned. It, it, it's not that easy. There's a lot that goes into it. Yeah, no, it is. It, it, there was a big learning curve. Um, you know, even just even just setting it up, like that was it. That was a huge pain in the ass. And like trying to get everything on set up on uh, all the different platforms. You know, there's so much paperwork, so much different you know forms to fill out. I think it's you know, uh, you know, my girlfriend just started a podcast too, and she went on a different different server, and it was just like super easy. They just like just had it just mailed in for her. I was like, well, that would be nice. But like for me, it was it was uh, a bit more challenging um, just because of the platform I use. But uh, no, it's you know, it's you, yeah, you you're, you have to make time for these interviews. You have to sort of make introductions. You have to talk to people. Um, you have to get these things set up and sort of edit them. I don't really edit them because I just don't have time. Um, but uh, you know, I have I, I do some stuff and and just getting those things ready and just putting things out there and getting even even without the editing side of things, just the publishing things and the lo- loading them up. It takes hours. It takes hours out of your day every time you're doing one of these things. And, you know, like, like you said, you know, I, you know, I just finished work. Um, I, you know, started at six in the morning. Um, I'm sort of just finishing up now. And, and not only that, I was working this whole weekend. So, you know, I was on, on call and I was, you know, basically at the hospital from 6 a.m., Saturday and I sort of got home at around two 30, had to go back out at 4 AM wow. came back and then back again, um, for the rest of the day. And so, you know, I, I only got a couple hours of sleep this whole weekend. Um, and, uh, and then I went to work on Monday. Wow. So, wow. you know, having a couple hours here and there may not be all that much to a lot of people, but it's like, it, it's definitely a big chunk out of, out of my free time. Wow. So yeah, it's, um, you know, it's definitely, something that if I, I didn't feel strongly about and passionate about, like I, I just wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah, definitely. We were lucky enough to host Amber Hearn recently, and she talked about the benefits of being on a carnivore diet and sleep and how much more efficient your sleep can be when you're eating the proper diet. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really interesting. Sucks that you're not getting a ton of sleep, but hopefully it's really good quality and, it, and maybe you don't yeah. need as much to get that really good quality sleep that you actually need. Yeah, I used I, yeah I used to be a terrible sleeper a horrible my whole life I had I was always suffered from insomnia and I would sleep very light I would always be tired and yeah no it's it's an absolute game changer I sleep so much better now also using a sleep mask pro tip that really works just nice. cutting out all light completely that makes a big difference for me and uh, and other people as well and so. Uh, but yeah, you're right. You know, I mean, I wouldn't be able to do this the way that I do if it, if it weren't for my diet, if I didn't feel so great and if I didn't have so much energy um, and if I weren't able to function at a high level with with very little sleep. Um, it's uh, yeah. You know, my, my intern year in um, after medical school was hellish. Uh, to say the least. And, um, you know, I was working 120 hour weeks, some weeks, at least 105. I don't think there was a single week I, I worked less than a hundred hours wow. uh, for that whole year. And, uh, and it was awful. It was just awful, awful, relentless, you know, thankless, uh, abusive work. And, um, and I, I was miserable and I just really, really, really hated it. Um, I wasn't a carnivore then I was just eating, you know, whatever I, you know, meat centric, but you know, other stuff as well, just to like, just survive. And, 
you know, I felt crap. I felt like absolute crap. Now I work more. I actually work more hours than that. You know, I work anywhere from 90 to 130 hours a week, depending on if I'm working the weekend, like this past weekend, I worked, you know, like 40 hours extra. And so, you know, that's, um, that's obviously a big jump. Um, but I, you know, on top of that, you know, I'm doing the, the podcast stuff and YouTube stuff, making videos. And I've also got to, I've got to read, I've got to, you know, learn more neurosurgery. I've got to, you know, read, um, you know, different, different, uh, um, you know, books and things like that to do with, you know, diet, nutrition and, uh, and health and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, the history of humanity. And also I'm trying to write a book. So I've got, I've got all these different things that, you know, I'm trying to do. And so basically every waking hour, like I'm doing something. And so, you know, it's, uh, it's very busy. I, I would not be able to do that if it, if, it, if it weren't for my diet, just absolutely not. I would, uh, I would, I would have burnt out a very long time ago. And so, yeah, it's, um, not possible if you're not running at peak performance. <laughs> not, not a great time to take on rocket uh, science as, as part of your like hobbies. So let's leave that on the side. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> um, yeah. I do want to talk about your recent talk at KetoCon, which you did a great job. Your first ever talk of that nature, I thought was fantastic. Before we do, no, let's remind you. the audience a little bit about your story. You already mentioned that there's, there's been periods of time in your life when you haven't been carnivorous, but you have a really interesting story with the carnivore diet. A lot of people choose to go on the carnivore diet because they learn about the, the benefits of eating meat. You have a bit of a different story and some of the things you learn. So if you don't mind, can you remind our listeners a little bit about your history with the carnivore diet? Yeah. So I actually started, uh, like 22 years ago now when I was an undergrad in, in at the university of Washington in Seattle. And I, uh, I was taking a class on cancer biology and we were just learning about all the carcinogens and, and toxic chemicals that were in plants. Um, this is something that I actually learned in seventh grade, you know, that plants and animals are in an evolutionary arms race plants becoming more and more poisonous. So less and less animals can eat them. And so they can survive and thrive. And then animals becoming more adapted to specific poisons in specific plants so that they can eat that plant. You know, that species of animal can eat that species of plant and so that they can survive and thrive and they can break those, those chemicals down easily or, or safely. Um, so that's, that's the nature of plants. You know, they're, in, they're inanimate. They can't run away or fight back like an animal. So they need to use other forms of defense. And there are, you know, many, you know, they use, you know, camouflage and mimicry and all sorts of really cool stuff. Uh, one universal is they use poisons. They use toxins, defense chemicals to stop animals, most animals from eating them. Um, and we were learning this from just a cancer perspective and learning all the carcinogens in plants, like 136 identified carcinogens in just Brussels sprouts, over a hundred in mushrooms and spinach, kale, lettuce, celery, cabbage, cucumber, broccoli, you name it. You know, they had 60, 80, over hundred known human carcinogens each. And, and they were quite abundant. You know, we know from the work of uh, Professor Bruce Ames from Berkeley uh, in 1989 that, um, you know, there's 10,000 times more pesticides and insecticides naturally occurring in plants than the pesticides and insecticides we spray on them industrially. And that the natural ones are much more likely to cause cancer than the, the pesticides we spray on them, right? So people say like, oh, well, if it's organic and you grow it in your own yard, it's like, well, no, actually, that, that's just a drop in the bucket. The pesticides, the reason they're still legal is because they're actually not that big of a deal when compared to lettuce, which is crazy to think about, crazy. but it's true. Yeah, and so we, we, have, we have, it's backed by hard science, you know, and we've known this for 30 years now, 30 plus years. So, you know, we were quite blown away by this. 
And, you know, we thought, you know, he must be joking, but, you know, he really wasn't. And I remember thinking my, to myself, you know, like, but, you know, vegetables are still good for you though, right? And, you know, he just must have read our minds. He just looked at us and he said, I don't eat salad. I don't eat vegetables. I don't let my kids eat vegetables. Plants are trying to kill you. So I was like, right, screw plants. And I just stopped, like, just cold turkey. I'm like, plants are, plants are poisonous. Plants are trying to kill me. Like, I want nothing to do with plants. And so I didn't think of it as a carnivore diet. I didn't think like, oh, I've got to improve my health and lose weight. I was just like, plants are poison. Plants are trying to kill me. Like, you know, F that. And so, you know, I went to the grocery store and I just was looking around. It was like everything had plants in it, you know, grains or, or something added to it from the plant or, you know, fungi, fungus kingdom. And so, um, I was just looking around. I was just like, well, I guess, I guess eggs and meat and milk, like they don't have plants in them. They don't come from plants. So I guess I'll just eat that. And so I just did that. And I, and I did that, you know, the first couple of weeks I felt like really weird and self-conscious and like all looking at all the things I couldn't eat. And after two weeks, I just did, I just didn't care. I was just, I just felt so great. I had so much energy and I just like, I just loved meat. All I wanted to do was eat meat. And so I, I never looked back after that. And so I, I did just pure carnivore for years after that. Uh, I think like five years after that. And, um, you know, it just never felt better. You know, I was, I was playing, you know, top level rugby in the U S and in Canada. And like, I could not get tired. I couldn't run out of energy. I couldn't get sore. You know, I don't get sore after working out now, you know, and I'm, you know, much older and, you know, I, I go to the gym and I'll do, you know, 20 sets of bench or 20 sets of squats and I'm fine. That everyone thinks that, that that's the one that they, people have the hardest time to believe. And people are just call me, Oh, you're a liar. You're this, and try it, get this stuff out of your system, get these defense chemicals out of your system and see how, but how much better your body works. You know, that's the plant's way of telling you to back off. Don't eat me. I'm going to make you sick. I'm going to make you uh, suffer. I'm going to, I'm going to increase your pain. And so if you were like me and in the wild and you're just, you're just living a normal life and feeling great. And then you come across a plant and you're hungry and you're like, okay, well, I'll eat this thing. And then you're sore and you're aching. You feel like crap. You're just like, okay, never eating that again. You know? So that's how I got into it. Uh, was just, just, you know, basically learning botany and cancer biology and just like, you know, it's just plants are toxic, toxic. These are not what we're supposed to eat. So yeah, I just didn't eat it. Wow. That's amazing. One of my favorite podcast moments from your show was when you interviewed uh, Ryan Talbot, who we also recently interviewed. He was the yeah. big 10 decathlon champion who for yeah. several months has been doing carnivore now and you talking to him and talking about like your performance playing rugby on a carnivore yeah. diet and like listening to him, how he's just getting started in decathlon. You got so excited about his yeah. performance in the future. He's like, what, 20, 21? He's done decathlon for like a year or two. He's got endless potential yeah. and just hearing you and your energy like dude you're gonna you're gonna kill it you're gonna win so many champions yeah. you're gonna make it the olympics like this is gonna be amazing i i thought like after yeah. that episode you probably went out and like wrestled some kangaroos or something yeah well i was pumped i was absolutely jacked yeah i, I definitely was just like i need to go like play a rugby game or something like that i just gotta go hit someone <laughs> you know but um yeah like uh no i'm I'm, really, I'm super excited for him like he's he's absolutely gonna kill it like he you know he, he doesn't realize he's actually just about to get into it, hit his stride. You know, when I was, when I was doing carnivore for, you know, at first I was, you know, it took a while to really get, gain the, 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 the insane fitness that I had. I pushed myself very, very hard. Um, but you don't, you don't start off being able to sprint a marathon, you know, but in the thick of it, I could absolutely have sprinted a marathon because that was basically my training all the time. I was at a dead sprint, you know, all day for, for, 
six, eight hours straight, you know? And so, and I couldn't get tired. I could not, I, I got so fit that it didn't matter how hard I went and how long I went. I, I could not get tired. And so, you know, I, I was crazy shape and, but it, you know, it took some time to build up, you know, he's just getting into that, you know? So he went carnivore when he's sort of in the season and obviously he's training a lot and he's pushing himself really hard, you know, because he's, a, he's an elite athlete, but you know, and that made his performance, you know, uh, really, really take off, but he's just getting into it. So he, he doesn't even, he doesn't even know how much better it gets. He doesn't even realize like there's like endless potential. As long as you're giving yourself, you know, an, enough food, enough meat, like your body you will just keep getting better. I mean, every time I trained, every time I played, I, I literally felt myself getting stronger and faster and fitter. Every time I'm, I'm better now, I would actually think that to myself, I'm better now, you know? and you know, doing that year in and year out, you are just getting stronger and better. And it's just, and he's just getting started. So I'm, I'm really excited to see, um, you know, what he does and how his, his uh, career progresses because yeah, you're right. He's like 21, you know, this kid has another 15 solid years of, of peak health and performance. People think it's like, Oh yeah, you, 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 after, you know, the age of 30 or something like that, you start to climb bullshit. You know, that's only if you're eating poison, you know, I'm 42 years old. I feel better than I did when I was 27 and eating, eating plants, you know, and I was, I was ripped when I was 27. I was jacked. I was, I was, I was still playing, you know, super league rugby, um, you know, in San Diego. And like, you know, I was, I was super fit, super strong. And I'm, you know, I, I feel better now, you know? And so, he's just going to keep getting better, you know, and he's just going to keep getting stronger and faster and, and more dominant. And if the people around him don't catch up and don't figure out that, you know, meat is the optimal performance tool, you know, they're, they're just going to get smoked. And, um, you know, it's like the original Greek, the Greek Olympians, like they just, they, they prepped for the Olympics by just eating tons of meat, you know, and then you're winning, winning the Olympics. Like that was one of your, your, you know, the prizes was like, cattle, you know? And so, you know, it's, um, you know, it's, you know, they knew what was going on. And so, and he does, but you know, other people thinking like, Oh, I'm going to go game changes. I'm going to go vegan. Like, Oh, that's really going to supercharge me. It's like, well, you know, see how that works, buddy, because like, you know, it's not, it's not going to work very well. So yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm super excited for, uh, to see him in the next, uh, you know, the next few years. That's amazing. That's one of my favorite parts about this lifestyle is that Delta just gets wider and wider as the carnivores are getting Mm. fitter and healthier. The rest of the world, unfortunately is just going so far South. The difference, the gap Mm. between the two is just so vast. And you made such a good point of this with your talk at KetoCon which was, I believe, called Why We Are Carnivore. And I want to name this episode The Case for Carnivore. The Case for Keto by Gary Taubes is one of my very favorite books. He, he does a really good job in that book talking about you know ketogenic, low-carb diet. And you did such a great presentation of bringing, bringing all these different aspects into your argument for why we are carnivores. The anatomy, the biology, the history, the evolution, all of those things you were able to tie together. So I'd love to talk to you about that today. Can you tell us a little bit about why you think that we are carnivores. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just what all the, all the best evidence, uh, suggests that, you know, biologically, you know, know, we are animals and biologically the kind of animal we are, 
are carnivores. All animals on earth have, you know, a natural diet that they eat in the wild and, you know, confers optimal health upon them. Ours is a carnivorous one. Okay. So you can look at this by multiple different metrics. You can look at, you know, just, just our anatomy, you know, our, our teeth, you know, like, Oh yeah, we have small teeth. We don't have these big fangs. It's like, right. Because we don't kill things with our mouths. You know, we, we couldn't do that. And so we had to figure out something else. So we, we developed our brains, we developed tools. We have, you know, very, very nimble, you know, fingers and hands. And so that was, that was, that's from tool using. And we had to figure out tools and tactics because we couldn't take down a mastodon, you know, with our fingernails, uh, you know? So we, we actually have uh, primate teeth with carnivorous adaptions. Okay. You look at the, the teeth of a gorilla and the teeth of a chip and, and our teeth, they're fairly similar, but they have different adaptations. A gorilla's teeth are very, very big. You know, that's because they're just chewing on sticks all day. They have massive muscles and mastication, these big, huge uh, temporalis muscles. Ours are tiny. They're just right here. You know, if this was, if I, if my head was a gorilla's, most of that would be the, you know, jaw muscles, the temporalis muscle, just for chewing and chewing and chewing. You have to, because you're just chewing sticks. And so our teeth got smaller and smaller and smaller. Our jaws got smaller. Our temporalis got smaller and our brains got bigger, you know, and you know, so we can start there. And then people say, oh, we have flat teeth. Just because you look at them and they're in a flat row. It's like, oh, look at a horse. Just look at the front, it's flat. That's not what flat teeth mean. Flat teeth mean that they're planar like a, like a stone mill and it slides across each other, right? If you, if you clamp your teeth shut and you try to move your teeth, they don't, they don't go anywhere. You can't slide them across each other. Yeah, exactly. So that's because we have bicuspid teeth. We do not have flat teeth, you know, and, the, and their front teeth are actually flat too. They're, you know, they have a big planar surface where they, you know, uh, can, can masticate. Then you go down to our stomachs. Our stomachs have a very low uh, pH. They're very, very acidic. This is something that you see in carnivores. This is something that you especially see in vultures and carrion animals that are eating, uh, you know, dead, you know, dead animals, rotting carcasses and things like that. And it's thought that our ancestors, because we didn't have the big teeth and claws, that's how we got our start on meat is just eating carrion. And, and the first tools were these big stones. They smashed on the skulls of dead animals and were able to get at the brains because that was, that was a, the most nutritious part of the animal. And it was a part that no other animal was getting at because the skull was so difficult to get into. Um, we have a pH in kind with vultures, right? It's like, you know, 1.3 to 1.5 pH, you know, like lions and hyenas and things like that are like two something, you know, a cow is six, right? So, you know, our pH simply is, is, you know, low enough. And uh, to be very, very uh, clear that that this is coming from eating meat and probably like something with a high bacterial load because you know, the meat can go off or whatever. Um, and then you have, uh, you know, our, our small intestine is actually comparatively long to our large intestine, which is comparatively short. We have an appendix, which is a vestigial organ. It's just this small little thing. And, uh, you know, vestigial meaning that millions of years ago, it had a major function. Now it doesn't really have that function anymore. Well, if you look at other primates, they're called hindgut digesters. And that, what we would call an appendix is actually like a four foot long cecum. And it's still this blind, blind pouch, but it's very, very long and much bigger. And that's where fiber packs into, and they break that down into short chain fatty acids. And that's what they actually absorb is the short chain fatty acids. So even herbivores that, just, that eat fiber, they're still getting fat and protein. That's, that's still right. their major nutrition source. Right. 
so, you know, we don't have that ability anymore because we haven't eaten fiber in millions upon millions upon millions of years. So that's another, another example. Uh, you know, people say that fat is bad for us. Well, does that really make sense? Because, you know, we have four organs working in concert just to absorb fat. You know, your liver makes bile, your gallbladder stores it, the pancreas secretes, you know, things like lipase to break it down. And then the bile emulsifies those uh, fatty acids and they get, they get absorbed in your small intestine. So you have four organs all working together, very high energy. This is a high energy demand. You're, you're, you're pumping out a lot of uh, energy just to get fat. So if that weren't very, very important then this we, this would just would not happen. You know, our bodies in nature would just would not waste its time, and yet it does. So we know that's very important. Um, then you look at all the fossil records, all the data, looking at you know where we came from, what our ancestors were doing. There's uh, and, and it's all very clear that we were carnivores. This was never actually in contention. This has been a, a very well established fact going back. I don't even know how long we have just sort of warped our minds now because we say that meat is bad because cholesterol is bad and fat causes heart disease, which it does not. That was, that was false, but we've, we've corrupted this huge body of knowledge that we've, we've carried around with us for centuries. You know, humans are hunters, apex predators, top of the food chain. Those are, those are terms that I, you know, that you teach school kids, at least when I grew up and now they're saying, no, 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 we're herbivores. How can you be an apex predator and an herbivore? doesn't make any damn sense. You know, and so if you look at the actual data, you actually look at the, the, the record, you actually do see that we, we were apex predators. We were top of the food chain and we ate all the animals below it. Um, I've never seen an apex predator top of the food chain, you know, eat, eat like plants like, you know, like great, you know, sharks don't eat kelp, you know, and, uh, and, you know, lions don't eat grass, you know, so we can look at things through, through different different measures. Like one is, uh, is very interesting. It's like the stable isotope study. So the stable isotope studies, um, look at, you know, you can take the, you know, bones of, of any animal and you can look at the different, uh, uh, you know, sort of stable isotopes that are in there and you can trace those back basically to, uh, plants. And so these sort of in, in a steady amount quantity, like in, in plants, and then an animal eats that plant. And so you'll see a certain concentration, in that animal, but then another animal eats that animal and now it gets more concentrated because you're eating a lot of animals who are eating a lot of plants. Um, this is sort of like, you know, the same sort of thing where people talk about, you know, uh, you know, in, in the food chain, in the sea, you know, something gets like mercury in a smaller animal, a smaller fish and another fish eats that another fish eats that and, and a shark eats that. Well, there's going to be a higher mercury load in them. That's the idea. So it's the same, it's the same concept. Um, we had a higher carnivore rating than lions, hyenas, foxes, and wolves alive at the same time in the same area. Wow. Okay. Which means that we were eating the lions, hyenas, foxes, and wolves, as well as all the other animals as well. Okay. So that is very, I mean, that's just straightforward. I mean, we, we, we know these things, this is something that we do and we can test and we can measure it and we have. Okay. Um, and so that really does mean that we are apex predators. We were actually top of the food chain. We actually ate all these other animals below us. And, and, you know, what school kid doesn't know that? What school kid doesn't know that Lewis and Clark, Lewis and Clark went across the U.S. and, you know, had hunting parties and were, you know, shooting animals and eating and packing meat and the Eskimos and Inuits, 
you know, they were, you know, they're, they're hunting seals and polar bear and whales and they, and they don't, there, there aren't any plants to eat up there anyway, you know? So, you know, the native Americans would do, it's called a, you know, Buffalo drop where they'd, you know, chase a herd of Buffalo over a cliff, they'd all crash and burn. And then they would, you know, you know, eat the remains and, uh, and, and make pemmican out of the rest. And, and, and that was what they'd eat throughout the entire rest of the year. Um, there's endless examples of this. And so, you know, even just looking at, you know, from an anthropological point of view, looking at these, these, uh, native populations, first of all, there's never been a native population ever discovered that was vegan, you know, or, or even, even majoritively plant-based if, unless they were, you know, in, in a state of extreme deprivation and starvation. Um, you know, there, there are countless examples of, uh, you know, the native Americans, uh, the Inuits, um, uh, the Nanette in, um, you know, Siberia, um, Sub-Saharan Africans. Genghis Khan. Um, you mentioned Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan. That's right. Fascinating. Yeah. 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 And that was like, you know, 900 years ago. Right. So, you know, Genghis Khan and the, and the Mongol horde, they, they took over the largest contiguous empire that's ever existed. It's, it's, it's second only in, in, in sheer landmass to the British empire at its peak. Um, and that, and that was a naval power. They had, they had a you know, colony here, colony here, colony here. Genghis Khan was just like, boom, just like the entire block, most of Asia and most of Europe. And so, you know, they absolutely dominated. And these guys only ate meat. They drank horse, horse blood. They ate horse meat. They'd have some, you know, fermented uh, dairy as well. These guys would go five days without eating. And then they would eat a ton of meat. You know, they eat like 10 pounds of meat in one sitting. They go for five more days uh, and just just ravage people. And so they were they were had this huge advantage uh, in war and in, in marching and, and moving across you know, great distances because they didn't need to eat. They didn't need to stop for meals all the time. They didn't they were hungry all the time with, with poor nutrition. They weren't just eating gruel and, and nonsense like the sort of the peasant um sort of the peasants of uh, uh, conscripts that were in these other other armies. Um, they also didn't need to have a bunch of cook fires and boil up mash and gruel, all this sort of stuff every night. So they didn't, they didn't have fires all the time. They could just go silently and all of a sudden they just show up, bam, you're done. Uh, so they had these huge, huge advantages because they were carnivores. You know, not just not just because of their health, but logistically, it really helped in uh, in every single way. So there's just there's just countless examples. And you know, people say, well, you can't get all the nutrients that you need uh, from meat. And it's just like, well, then how did all these civilizations that are well documented live their entire existences, generation after generation after generation, exclusively eating meat? You know, maybe maybe like a you know something here and there, but you know when they're starving or something like that or put on something for a taste, maybe, but not, you know, not those up North by the North pole. There weren't anything to, to, to eat there anyway, That's right. but either way, you know, these guys are, are living generation after generation, uh, exclusively eating meat and, and they're thriving. They're not dying. And, and why would that make sense? If we were, if we are apex predators, if we are top of the food chain, we have this high carnival rating meat is what we need. And so it's, um, it's just, silly to me that we've, we've gone so far backwards. And I think that it's, it's been at the detriment of our health because I think that really the diseases that we face nowadays actually aren't diseases. These aren't, these aren't, you know, these, these aren't, you know, some weird sort of, you know, communicable disease that's, uh, that's causing harm. This is something that just, just shows up out of nowhere um, and is showing up a lot more 
recently in the last 40 years or so, and really, in, you know, started really in the last sort of hundred years, but uh, really taken off in the last 40 years. And, you know, that's because we've been eating so much more plants. We've vilified meat, we've vilified fat and cholesterol, which are both extremely important, extremely good for you. Cholesterol is the building block of every single cell in your body. Every single cell membrane in your body is made out of cholesterol. You know, your hormones like testosterone, estrogen, progestogens, glucocorticoids, mineralocorticoids, um, these are all made from cholesterol. You know, cholesterol is very important. You make cholesterol, you need cholesterol, but you actually need more than you make, you know? And so, you know, people don't, don't realize just how unwell you can get when you eat the wrong thing, you know, just like, you know, you know, any zookeeper worth his salt will tell you that if you feed an animal, something that it doesn't eat in the wild, something that it didn't evolve on, it gets sick. You know, this is why you have signs that say, don't feed the animals you know, your food will make them sick. You know, they don't eat this. You have to, you know, they have to eat what they're supposed to eat, you know, but what do they get sick with? Right. They get obesity, heart disease, liver disease, diabetes, cancer, arthritis, autoimmune diseases, the same things that we do, right. The same things that dogs and cats are getting now because, you know, these are known carnivores, dogs and cats, known carnivores. And yet we're giving them grain and plant-based kibble. You know, there are people going on TV going, Oh, my dog is vegan. And, and it's by choice. He chooses to eat broccoli. Like the hell he did. <laughs> You know, and, and every single time they put like a bowl of meat and a bowl of spinach, dog just goes bang and like, you know, onto the meat. And they're like, no, 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 there's lettuce. No, you like lettuce. It's just like, clearly it's the dog's choice. Right. And the dog is just, just ignoring his owner. It's just like, get the hell away from me, woman. Like I'm dying here. And, you know, um, you, you could not rip this dog away from this bowl of meat and dogs are getting sick. Cats are getting sick. You know, vets are saying that they're seeing a, a dramatic rise in human diseases. So these diseases in humans, those used to be called Western diseases, diseases of the West. These are just like Western explorers that came to, you know, indigenous populations that were just eating meat. Those populations didn't get the diseases of the West, you know, but now they do. And now they get them far more readily than Westerners who have had uh, agriculture for, you know, you know 8,000 years. And these guys have just come across in the last few hundred, yeah. you know, so they're getting very sick because they, you know, you know, when you've had agriculture for 8,000 years, you, you do build up a bit of a tolerance, you know, but not, not a huge amount. You know, we still get sick. They just get sick faster, you know, and, and uh, working in Australia, like right when I got here, uh, I was told that, you know, if you have an Aboriginal patient, whatever their age is, just add 20 to it. Because that, those are the diseases, those are the problems you're going to see. Someone who comes in there 45, you treat them like they're a 65-year-old because those are the, the diseases and problems that they would have, the equivalent of, of someone else in their in their 60s. Um, you, know, you look at the disparity in health of African Americans um, to white Americans, you know, like I think this is this is a direct result of you know of having different uh, you know, levels of, of immunity or, or levels of resistance to these plant toxins, these plant chemicals, you know, diabetes is much higher, you know, metabolic disease, much higher, heart disease is much higher, high, you know, hypertension is much higher. Uh, well, we know that, that carbohydrates can cause hypertension. Okay. So, you know, these guys are, are more sensitive to that. They're going to get hypertension more often. Uh, and, and all the rest, you know, like this is, um, this is, this is something that you need thousands and thousands of years to even start getting, you know, the edge off the shine here. So, you know, it, it, it takes really hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years to, to 
completely change your um, your dietary habits. I mean, it took, it took us millions of years before we went from purely herbivorous to purely carnivorous, probably about 5 million years, you know, anywhere from you know, sort of three to 5 million years. And either way, it's millions, millions of years. And so, you know, we're not just going to turn into herbivores in, in 8,000 years. And also, you know, that would, that would suggest that we are a different species. And, you know, that, that sort of goes down some pretty, uh, you know, uh, sketchy racist lines by saying that, you know, we're, we're different species of people, you know, I, I think that's pretty dumb. You know, we are homo sapiens sapiens. Our genetics have really not changed much in the last 300,000 years. So if there were some of us that were herbivores, you know, and others were carnivores, those would be two different species. You know, you will not find any example in nature of two members of the same species who have different optimal diets, optimal. Now you may find examples like, you know, those from, from Western past and those from uh, uh, more recently indigenous past who have different resistances to inappropriate foods, but that doesn't mean it's optimal. That doesn't mean it's good for you. It just means it's less bad for you. So I think any way you slice it, you know, we come up carnivore here. And, and like I said, you know, you, you, we are one species and we do have a common diet, whatever that is. You know, I argue that it's a carnivore, but it is something, you know, I may be wrong, but it's something. And so, you know, I think of it as, you know, if one of us are carnivores, then that means that all of us are, are carnivores, right? It's a transitive property, right? So if the Inuits are, are carnivores, which they are, if Genghis Khan and the Mongol horde were carnivores, which they were, then we're all carnivores. Yeah, <clears throat> I absolutely love that. That's such a great point. All of this is backed up by science and we can reference all of this. The studies have been done yeah. and confirms this in so many different ways, like you said, but it's it's like <laughs> at some point we just have to use common sense, like just look around mm -hmm. and see what's going on. The aboriginals you mentioned, I, I was thinking that as you said that, I, I believe the movie was fed up or something that came out a few years ago and mm -hmm. it was from the Western, well, it, the movie started in the Western part of Australia where you are and they interviewed um, aboriginals and they said like, what do you guys die from these days? And they all said type two diabetes, obesity, heart disease. And they said, okay, what did your parents die from? And they said, uh, tuberculosis, infection, <laughs> and all these other things. <laughs> right. Exactly. The British white people. And then they said, well, how about the generations past that? And they all kind of stopped and looked around and they were like, I think people died of old age. And it's like, that's yeah. the way it's supposed to be. And you can see that evolution. We are supposed to age really well. You argue up to about 110, 120, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. We can stay out of our own way. But as the times change, you know, we're introduced to more infections. We figured that out with a lot of antibiotics and all these things that, that are really helpful to come from plants, which is more medicine, not necessarily like food. To, mm -hmm. to today, we have all these terrible chronic diseases that kill everybody. And then we just accept it as normal. It's absolutely not normal. No, it's not. And then, you know, and these numbers have skyrocketed, you know, in recent years. And, you know, this is this correlative. Of course, that's, you know, correlation is not causation. But, you know, there's, uh, you know, since we switched our overall eating habits uh, to more plant-based from a more animal-based, uh, our diseases have, have, have gone up dramatically. So, you know, in 1977, the USDA declared that cholesterol caused heart disease. 
and saturated fat increases cholesterol. So he said, stop eating these. And unfortunately, people listen. People say, oh, people just don't listen to their doctors. Oh, they just keep eating fat. Oh, gosh, that's what's wrong. No, no. The problem is they did listen to their doctors. They did listen to the to the government recommendations. It just happened to be that they were wrong. And some of them were lying. That this is We have actual clear documented evidence that the, the head of the USDA, who was a Harvard professor previous to that, was a paid shill of the sugar companies. We have records of what they paid him, $6,500, which is the equivalent of 50 grand now. You know, that's what his soul was worth. That's what the the, the price of- cheap. Uh, the cost. That's yeah. a cheap settlement. And, uh, exactly. And so, you know, that that's what the health of the world was worth to him. And um, he penned this, this uh, declaration and it, it changed the world because now everyone just said, oh, well, teacher said so. So yeah, yeah, you were wrong. And it you know, ruined the careers and the reputations of the doctors and the researchers who uh, fought against this and were, were showing with very good evidence that it was actually sugar that was responsible for heart disease, which it is, and, and diabetes, which it is. And um, and then they were completely discredited. We're only rediscovering these things now. Um, we completely revolutionized the way we ate after the night after that declaration in 1977. So before that, you know, we were actually eating a lot more meat, and we we're actually feeding the table scraps to our dogs, who were actually living 17 years on average instead of nine years, which they are now for a golden retriever. And after that, so we. In America, if you look at the, you know, the consumption um, records, we started, we reduced our saturated fat and, and cholesterol intake by 30%, reduced red meat by around 33%, increased fruits and vegetables by 30 and 40% respectively, as well as grains and sugar. Okay. What happened? What were the results? Well, the obesity rate tripled, heart disease tripled, stroke rate tripled, cancer rates tripled, type 2 diabetes, autoimmune disorders, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, even neurodevelopmental delays such as autism, these all increased exponentially. These things almost didn't exist before then. Now they're like the only thing we treat. You know, I mean, I don't know pure numbers on this, but it really feels like about 85% of what we treat in, in, in medicine these days are those chronic diseases or developmental delays or aging uh, complications like Alzheimer's, you know, that, that just did not exist, did not exist before. I mean, a good way of looking at this is like seeing how many, you know, people were over the age of 60, 70, 80, 90, a hundred years ago. And as a percentage, how many nursing homes were there? You know, very different number to today, very different number. So, you know, the nursing homes are absolutely packed to the teeth. You know, there's a long waiting list. You know, I know here in Australia and uh, in Ireland, like, Jesus Christ, when I was there, there's a two-year waiting list to get into a nursing home. Wow. You know, you get listed for a nursing home, like you're not doing well, you know? And like, you've got to wait two years to get in because there's just so many uh, invalids in there, wow. you know? And wow. so, you know, this is a very different time. And, you know, we do know that these things are are food-related. Wow. Like, I mean, you know, I mean, we we, we, we... We already sort of knew that because we blamed it on on fat, right? We blamed it on meat. Well, meat's going to cause all these diseases, right? So, so the idea is there, but they just got the 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 type of food horribly wrong. So, but it is food. It does come from food. It just comes from plant foods. It comes from these plant toxins, and it comes from lack of nutrition. You know, so when I said, you know said uh, earlier that um, Alzheimer's is being referred to as type three diabetes. Um, 
you know, it, uh, that's because you're sort of looking at these things metabolically. It looks similar to things we see in type two diabetes. And well, that's interesting because that's, they have the same cause, That's right. you know, it's the sugar and the carbs and everything like that. You get insulin resistance, to, you know, uh, in your body, it, it goes to your brain too. Now your brain isn't getting uh, as much energy as it used to because you're not making uh, as many ketones. And so your brain's just, just running on sort of like low octane fuel and it's not getting that much of it. Um, and it's also, you're not getting all this fat, you're, you're avoiding cholesterol and fat, especially after you're 40. And this is when everyone declines. Like, oh yeah, you go over 40, you really go downhill. Well, this is also when people start thinking about that and saying, oh, I gotta, I gotta protect my heart. I gotta be healthy for my kids. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to like die of a heart attack at 45, you know, so they start going plant-based, they stop eating meat and then they, they just go downhill and they start feeling like crap. You know, it's like, oh yeah, when you get over 40, everything goes downhill. Well, yeah, because you started eating stupid shit, you know? And so like, no wonder that that went wrong. And so, you know, people do this to themselves and you stop eating meat and, you know, your brain is made out of fat. You know, if you don't keep maintain that, it will break down and it will go away. You know, we, we do have to keep rebuilding our brain because every minute you're awake, you get low grade brain damage and you have to sleep and you have to turn those neurons off to heal them. And they will physically damage the structure of your neurons by using them, which is a weird design, but I guess that's just how it works. But when you're sleeping and when your neurons are not firing, they're sort of you know, getting these, these, these fatty acids and cholesterols and, and rebuilding their structures. Um, if you're not getting enough sleep, you're not going to get, you know, builders to the job site. If you're not eating enough, uh, fat, you're not going to get the building materials there. So your, you know, your structures are going to break down. Um, and, uh, we also see this in, in just in biochemically in Alzheimer's because we get very insulin resistance and, and, and this energy is just not going in. So whatever brain you have left that's atrophied to a serious point, it's not really getting, a lot of uh, energy anyway. The second you switch over to a carnivore diet or even just a ketogenic diet, you switch over to your brain's preferred energy source, which is ketones, because your brain is always running on ketones, actually. You know, people say, like, oh, you, you, your brain primarily runs on glucose. No, it doesn't. Your brain always runs on ketones. When you have jacked up your blood sugar and you've jacked up your insulin, insulin is forcing this stuff in there then your brain is going to run on, on glucose, but that's not our primary metabolic state, you know? So that's not our primary energy because that's not a primary met metabolic state. Our primary metabolic state is a ketogenic one, you know, or at least, you know, a non-carbohydrate insulin driven one, you know, just letting your body do its thing, which will be in and out of ketosis as it will, but it's not, it's not driven by huge amounts of insulin and huge amounts of blood sugar. So you'll have high ketones, you'll have all these things in your blood and your brain preferentially runs on that. So even if you have like, you know, like, you know, many more times, uh, glucose in your system than ketones, when your ketones get to a certain point, your brain kicks out all the glucose and it only runs on ketones. Okay. So how are you telling me that glucose is its preferred energy source when your brain will stop using glucose when there's a sufficient amount of ketones it doesn't make any damn sense. And because it's running on ketones now. It doesn't worry about the insulin resistance. So now it bypasses that. So now your brain can actually get its energy. You will see people with Alzheimer's who are not doing well. You switch them over to a ketogenic diet or even just fast them for a day. Their brains light up. It's like they just, it's like they just woke, woken up and, you know, and you're eating a lot of fat. You're going to you know, create a lot of ketones that gets more ketones into your brain. Your brain is just, I mean, it's just, you know, the lights go on. 
you know? And so, and then your brain can start rebuilding itself. It's not necessarily going to rebuild all the damage that was caused, but it will rebuild some of it and you will get a lot better. I've, I've seen this firsthand in, uh, you know, patients as well as family members. So it's a, it's a major, major, major thing. And, um, you know, so it's, and more and more research is coming out, you know, uh, professor Ben Bickman of BYU, you know, he's done a ton of research on, uh, just insulin and metabolism. Uh, you know, he's been studying like insulin and how it works in the body for like over 15 years. So, you know, he's, he's a metabolic scientist and he's, he's just, he's showing hard science. This is how these things work. You know, this is how these mechanisms operate in your body. And, and this is what happens when it goes wrong. You know, I, I alluded to blood pressure, you know, insulin can, can be involved in the, um, in the contractility and uh, relaxation of your arteri- of your arteries. Right. So when you get insulin resistance, now it's just staying still because it's not listening to the insulin insulin because it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. You, you cried wolf already. You know, we're not listening to you anymore. And so then it just stays, it's not being influenced by that. And so it just stays rigid and it can't expand and reduce the volume, the blood volume, which makes the pressure go up. Right. So, you know, if, if volume goes down and you have, you know, X amount of, uh, of fluid, pressure goes up, right? Because you're trying to pinch on this thing and, and fluid doesn't collapse. It doesn't compress, you know, like air does. So that's, that's a major cause of, of high blood pressure. There are, there are other causes of high blood pressure. Those are sort of the weird, wild, wonderful, uh, uh, causes like, if you know, pheochromocytoma, you know, but, uh, you know, if you just don't eat carbohydrates, most people will get rid of their, of their high blood pressure. Yeah. No, that's so true. I love that explanation. I love that you talked about mental health. We talked about Alzheimer's and dementia and things that we normally associate with aging, but that's happening younger and younger and younger all the time. Dude, you're going to, you're going to flip when you hear this, this, this is this week, this last week, I've worked with two separate people. These are people in my neighborhood. Both of them live within a 10 minute walking radius of me. The first one, um, this, this mom, this poor mom has been dealing with terrible skin issues for most of her life. She went to all ground beef and water in the last three weeks. Her skin issues have almost completely resolved at this point. Her gratitude, her joy, her energy are all through the roof. Um, her feet are now starting to hurt because she's realizing she's spending so much time on her feet where she was like, you know, you know, vertical basically, or I'm sorry, horizontal the whole time. So she told me that her daughter in, in their school, in her son's school, ninth grade, they have litter boxes in the bathrooms because kids in ninth grade, I, I'm not making this up. This is true. I'm not making this up. Kids, they're called furries. Kids think of themselves as pets, as cats. So they wear like cat ears and tails. And they had to put litter boxes into the bathrooms because these kids were, were, were shitting on the floor like cats. This was confirmed yesterday with another one of my clients who is in ninth grade. They're trying to get a waiver to go to a different public school because the suicide rate at one of these schools is so high with kids. They're trying to go to another one for mental health. Tragic. It's so sad, but I I didn't even finish the question. I asked her like, um, so did I hear this right? Are they putting litter boxes? She cut me off right there. She's like, Oh yeah. In the bathrooms. Yeah. They like, they wear leashes. One of them bit me once. Like if you look at them wrong, like they'll, they'll come up and bite you. This is happening at that age. Like what, what is going on with these little brains? Yeah. Well, and you, know, you think about it too, you know, they're, they're trying to say like, oh, well, we've got to, we've got to help them. This is just who they are. That's just their, their real self is so we got to help them or else they're going to get bullied. They're going to get, they're, they're going to commit suicide and they're doing all these things. 
And the things that they're doing in these populations, those are populations that are killing themselves because you are screwing with these kids' brains. You know, that is not how we are supposed to live. You know, you, you, your job as an adult and a parent is to raise your child to be a functional member of society and a functioning adult, you know, and, and that is not the way to do it by, by buying into these adolescent, um, you know, uh, fantasies, you know, because that's what it is. It's a fantasy. I was like, oh, I, I want to be a cat. Okay. But you're not. Like I've thought about that. Like I've seen my cat, you know, my house in, in, in Kirkland in, you know, outside of Seattle where I grew up, it had these like these walls that had sort of fabric going up it. And they were like very tall. We had like, you know, 30, 40 foot ceilings in, uh, in our upstairs. And like, we eventually got cats and these things just like climb up like 40 feet up, like up the walls and like hang out in the rafters. I was like, that's badass. Like I would love to do that. You know? And I was like, wow, I wish I could do that. It's like, too bad, too bad. I'm not too bad. I can't. I mean, it's like, like that, I mean, just like live in reality, you know, it's like, you know, you know, like people say, it's like, well, that's not fair. It's just like, yeah, life's not fair. You know, it's just like, well, I want this. It's like, yeah, but it's not. I mean, you have to teach your kids a sense of reality. You know, it's, it's literally, it's just wishful thing. I, I, it's, it's really the same thing as I wish I was this. Okay. Well, I, I wish I was a dragon. And I'm not, I'm not actually being facetious there. I really do. I've thought about this a lot since I was a little kid. I would love to be a dragon. You fly around and breathe fire and do magic. That'd be badass. I really, really would like to be a dragon. I am, I, I mean it. Okay. But I'm not. Okay. That's not going to change. And so, you know, uh, you know, my parents, you know, be treating me as a dragon, as a grown ass man is a little dumb. You know, I was like, oh, I'll have my layer and I'll sleep on some little, you know, stack of, you know, gold doubloons or something like that. Well, I'm, I'd take that actually. But like, you know, it's, um, that's not helpful. That does not help people live a productive life. That does not let, you know, help people live a happy life. That does not, put them into a position that they can be successful by any metric, you know? And so, you know, you're saying that these kids is like, Oh, you have to put a litter, litter box on the floor. Like, you know, we are really going backwards. And like, how are you helping that person? How are you helping that kid, um, you know, deal with society and deal with the problems of growing up and dealing with the problems of having to get a job and do work and, 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 uh, and, and, and survive and take care of themselves when, when they're crapping on a, box in the floor, you know, like, how is that, how is that exactly going to work? And what, you know, what happened to bullies? Like, where'd these guys go? Do we just lose them all? Like, I mean, I, if, if someone was doing that where I grew up, I mean, they would get oh, man. smoked oh, man. like day one and they just be, and they would just realize like, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's not going to fly here, you know? And maybe that's harsh, but you know, sometimes, um, you know, you know, getting criticism and obviously you can bully can go too far and be pretty horrible, but, um, you know, sometimes just people in your peers looking at you going like, the hell are you doing? Like, why would you do that? And, and you know, that, that can actually get you back into, you know, the, the, the social norms, acceptable uh, norms of society, you know, and that, that can actually be beneficial. You know, if you don't have that, then you, you have anarchy. It's just, everybody's just do that. No culture, no system, no rules. Just anybody does whatever they want. That's chaos. That doesn't work. You know, that's, that's, you know, um, that goes back to might equals right, because you just, people just doing whatever the hell. And so people that can get away with it, get away with it. And so this is also what people are doing too, is they're, you know, they're, um, you know, they're domineering everyone else by saying, you're not allowed to do that because you're a bad person. You have to, it's the same thing. 
It's the same thing. It's just, it's just a bully and a power trip saying that you're going to do what I say because I say so. And they're just coming up with different reasons. It used to be like, you're going to do it or else I'm going to kick your ass. But now it's, you're going to do it or I'm going to call you a racist and a homophobe and a transphobe and a, and a furry phobe. And, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, people don't like that because of course people don't want to be, you know, thought of poorly like that. And, you know, there are very few like actual racists anymore. You know, like there are, they exist, they do exist, but you know, in, in normal society, it's not all that as common as it was previously. We've come a long way, it still exists, but it is nothing like it was. And so, you know, people really respond to that. You know, if everyone was racist and they just didn't really care about that, they'd just be like, yeah, okay, screw you. You know, like they wouldn't care because they would, they would, they would be okay with it. You know, like, you know, the Nazis were, you know, very, you know, you know, well outspoken in the fact that they thought that this was, you know, the Uber, Uber race, you know, and this was a, this was a better breed of people, you know, and they were all into eugenics and all that sort of stuff. Uh, they were outspoken about this. They had no problem. They're like, yeah, we are better. Yes, we do think that that's exactly what we think. You know, now you say that and people just go, no, 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 I'm not. That's because, you know, the people are very conscious of that. You know, people you know, don't don't like that sort of thing. They don't like people that are actually, uh, you know, degrade and derogatory, uh, derogatory towards people, you know, based on their, you know, immutable characteristics like that. Just, you know, people just know better now. And so they are being very, very forceful and and forcing people to go against their will and against their wishes and against what they know to be true and know to be right, you know, out of fear of, of being, you know, called a nasty name and being ostracized from society. It's the same thing. It's the same thing as using physical force. You are forcing people to do something that they don't want. And I think this is all it, and it harms the exact people that they're saying they're supposed to help, you know, these people, the furries and and the whatever. I mean, I mean, you, you, people argue that, you know, there were, you know, transgender people, you know, going back however long. Sure. That's fine. Um, and you know, then other people say like, yeah, but there weren't that many of them. Oh, that's probably because they were just scared to come out. Yeah, probably true. I have never heard of a furry before this damn year, you know? So where was this in the Greek era? you know, where people are just going around like cats taking dumps in the, in the street, you know, like that, that's not a thing, you know? And so these things are just being made up now and they're just coming up with things uh, just because they want to play, you know, make-believe this is, this is adolescent behavior and it's not helpful. And so these people are getting very depressed because they're not able to function normally and they get very upset and they get very sad and they kill themselves. So this is, you know, supporting that sort of behavior is actually harming these people. Right. You know, and that, that's absolutely tragic, you know, so I, I don't I don't think this is a good idea. And I'm, I'm glad that you're, you know, uh, you know, your friends are trying to get to a different school. Because I mean, just think about that, you know, the, the schools that support this sort of behavior and cater to it are the ones with the high suicide rate. Yep. That's right. Figure it out. What you're doing is harming people, that's right. you know, and that's, that's so bad. And, and you know, and, and this is also people that are pushing veganism. That's right. You know, that's right. <laughs> I'll do and, and, and that's, that's serious for mental health. You know, there was just a study that came out um, by Georgia Ede uh, recently where they took uh, pharmacologically refractive uh, psychiatric patients of, of various description, um, you know, like OCD, schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder, major depression. I think it was 31 um, participants. Now, these guys had failed pharmaceutical therapy. Okay, so they had maximal 
uh, pharmacological treatment and failed. It wasn't working. They put them on a ketogenic diet. Basically, all of them improved dramatically, and most of them completely resolved their issues. Okay, there's 31 people. That's not everything. It's not powered enough to show too much. It's very promising. Yes. It's a very good first step, and it's a very good proof of concept to then get a bigger study and say like, okay, yeah, you know, this is, this is worth looking into like, okay, let's, let's get some proper funding on this and do it with 10,000 people and see what that does, you know, because that, you know, if you, if you do it with that and you show that most of those people do it in, in, in a clinical uh, experimental setting, you know, then you've really got something to work with. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I just think it's such a product of stacking generation after generation on bad diets and now seeing it trickle through and seeing mental health affect our adolescents. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's absolutely diet. Like you said, I don't think these brains are working properly. And a lot of the issues, mm -hmm. the social issues that we're dealing with, if we changed the diet, I think we would make amazing inroads in all of that. It's like we started this conversation with like all of these things are so heartbreaking because they're completely preventable and reversible. Just like like you said, and when we fix the diet, we can fix all of these things. And it just takes not only looking into the amazing science, which again, on all of these levels that we've talked about confirms everything that we're talking about. It's just common sense. It's common sense. This is how we've evolved. This is what we need to eat. These are the things that get fixed when you eat the right foods. And these are the things you die from and suffer from for generations when you don't. It's, it's just, it's right there for everybody to see. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. Um, it's, it's absolutely tragic. And you're, you're seeing, you know, the mental health issues increase dramatically as well. You're seeing suicide rates increase dramatically as well. You know, there's some, some areas like, you know, during COVID and the lockdowns where like, you know, like the, the suicide rate in, you know, people under 16, you know, in, in, you know, tripled, you know, and, or more, I mean, like that is, that is just absolutely unacceptable. You know, and, um, you know, when you're, you know, people have the right intentions. Some of them do. I think some of, some people are doing this for control reasons and for, you know, just to sort of, um, you know, push their agenda for whatever reason. Um, but the reason that it's, it's working is because a lot of people really do care. And, uh, I think, I think the majority of people really do care. Um, and it's just that the other side still cares, but they just say like, okay, no, yes, I still care but I think that's the wrong way to go about it. You know, you can disagree on methods, you know, but people don't realize that we actually have the same goal in mind as helping kids, helping people live a better life and be happier and, and lower the suicide rate and lower the, the suffering and, and disease rate. It's just, you're saying that we should do it by, you know, you know, uh, wearing a kitty cat mask and taking a dump on the floor and eating plant and eating vegetables, which cats don't do by the way. So if you really want to be a real furry, you just eat meat by the that's kids. Right. All right. That's right. And, um, and I'm, you know, and people like us are saying, well, no, actually you need to eat proper nutrition and biologically species appropriate diet, which is just meat in the absence of toxic elements, which are plants, uh, and fungi. And, and you need to be taught and trained how to live and be, and succeed as an adult human in the world of today. And, uh, I think that objectively the latter is clearly more efficacious in, in helping these people. 
Yeah, couldn't agree more. You made such a good point of that. You made such a great um, talk at KetoCon talking about all of this. I recommend anybody go to your podcast where you generously put that talk up there along with some Q&A that you did after, which I thought was really, really helpful as well. Um, anybody can go and access that on your website, uh, or I'm sorry, on your podcast, which is the Plant Free MD. It's one of my favorites. Um, I don't miss an episode, like I said earlier, so I really appreciate that you're doing that. This has been an amazing conversation. Um, it's past 9 p.m. your time, so um, let's give you a little break so you can grab some sleep, but tell the audience where they can go to find you and connect with you and your work. I am. Well, well thank you very much. I, I always have a good time talking to you. And um, I, uh, my, my main thing is, you know, my YouTube channel is just Anthony Chafee, MD. So Chafee spelled C-H-A-F-F-E. Um, and then that's where I have most of my, my content, my videos up there. Um, and uh, I also have an Instagram by the same name, Anthony Chafee MD, and I'll, I'll post different you know videos. Like right now I'm doing sort of like a 30 day uh, X3 bar challenge, but I haven't really been in the gym much since October. Uh, just sort of like once a month, I swear to God, like <laughs> once a month, like since then, maybe twice a month if I was, you know, able to. And now I'm just like, no, screw it. I'm getting back into it. And I'm just gonna, I got the X3 bands. And I was just like, I'm just doing it every single day for 30 days. And I'm just without fail, I will not miss a day. And, you know, because I've been videoing it and sort of putting it up, I said, it's kept me honest, you know, because I've been mean, days like, you know, I was on call this weekend. I was, it was there from six in the morning till two at two thirty in the morning. And I'm just like, I just want to go to bed. That's the only thing I want to do. I'm like, nope, nope. I got to do it. I got to, I got to do my workout. And so I did it. And then I had to leave and go see another kid. Um, but it actually made me feel better. And I, and I, I was glad that I had done it. And so I'm doing that, posting those on there and also post, you know, different, um, uh, you know, different, uh, um, you know, content. And when, when I'm going to like post, uh, uh, podcasts and things like that. And then, um, then, uh, you know, I have my podcast, the plant free MD, uh, and I also have, um, uh, most of my, you know, the audio version of, of most of my videos on there. And that's something that people can, can listen to. And that, you know, that, that's, you know, sometimes people like that because that, that doesn't have the ads that YouTube puts up. Um, but it doesn't have the video, but it, you know, it does have, it does have all the, all the content and, and the, and the talks, which are the main thing. Um, I do have a, a Patreon, which I just started. I had, I was doing some sort of live Q and A's, uh, previously, but that was sort of through someone else's pay, Patreon. And so I've started my own, uh, Patreon, uh, just Anthony Chafee MD. And if people want to support me there, um, I, it's very much appreciated. And I, you know, sort of, um, supplies sort of early content, early release and extra, you know, bonus stuff and, you know, sort of, you know, community chat and, and, um, you know, people can ask, you know, ask questions. We do like, you know, live, uh, live Q and A's and things like that as well. If people want to go there and, uh, yeah, those are, those are sort of the main things. And, um, you know, sort of on a couple of you know, the little TikTok, just, you know, just post things up every now and then. I don't really waste too much time there, but like, you know, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that, those are the main ones anyway. Awesome. Yeah. We will link all of that in the show notes. Your Patreon looks amazing. The value that you yeah. get there, you're not asking for a high price and the, the value that you're providing there looks amazing. So I would definitely recommend anybody sign up for that. Um, definitely get a lot out of that. Dr. Anthony Chafee, such a pleasure to chat with you again. Love having you on. I love your energy and your passion for this uh, to the point that you want to do these interviews after a long day of work and you have all of this energy to be able to do it. So thank you so much for your example. Thank you for everything you're doing in the community. And thank you for taking time to appear on our show today. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you, man. I really appreciate it. And it was a pleasure to come on and had a good time. Yeah, it's such an honor. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio. 
As always, thank you so very much for listening to and supporting Boundless Body Radio. It has been such a joy to go on this journey now that it's been two years of doing these episodes and all the amazing conversations that we've had with thought leaders and to be able to share this message around the world with literally hundreds of thousands of people has been so amazing. If you haven't already, please go over to Apple, leave us a rating and review as it's the best way for the show to continue to grow and touch more lives of people out there. I am so excited to announce that we are launching the Boundless Body Radio Premium Podcast. This is something that I have been working really hard at for a very long time and something I am very proud of. Now that we have done over 300 episodes, our content can be a little bit overwhelming if you really want to learn about one particular topic and really zero in on that topic. So that is exactly what I have done. I have gone through all of our episodes, taken the very best clips all about one particular topic and put them into long form very informative and concise episodes called the Boundless Body Radio Premium Podcast. That can be found on our brand new Patreon page, which I'm really excited to announce as we have all kinds of different offers there and different tiers. We're including early releases of our show, Boundless Body Radio. We typically keep about 15 to 20 episodes scheduled at any given time. So we have options there where you can have early access to those. We're also offering group and one-on-one coaching and also access to these premium podcast episodes, the Boundless Body Radio Premium Podcast. We have three that are launching right now, and I will be making a new one every other week. And we believe that we are providing these for a very, very high value. So please check us out on Patreon, check the link in the notes to be able to get there. And thank you as always for listening to Boundless Body Radio.